and welcome to this episode of TES Podagogy. I'm Helen Amas, I'm Deputy Commissioning Editor at TES, and I'm joined today by Emily Farron, who's Professor of Cognitive Development at the University of Surrey. Hello, Emily. Thanks for, very much for joining us. Hi, Helen. So um, one of your uh, areas of research uh, that you specialise in is spatial thinking. Could you please start by just telling me what spatial thinking is? Okay, so in kind of layman's terms, we use spatial thinking all the time and we use our spatial abilities. So it's understanding um, the the spatial aspects of objects, so their locations, their dimensions, and how they are related to one another. Um, so, and also it can include the relationship between us and other objects. Um, and there are a number of different theories that have been put forward as to how spatial ability is, is divided up. Do you want me to go into those? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, the most recent theory was put forward by David Ittle and Nora Newcomb and their colleagues, um, and they divide spatial ability up into four different categories, and it's based on two sort of cross-cutting distinctions. So one is between what they call extrinsic and intrinsic skills, and the other is between what they call static and dynamic skills. Mm -hmm. Um, So the extrinsic dimension refers to um, the location of objects and the relationship between different objects, whereas intrinsic refers to the spatial properties of a single object and the parts mm-hmm. of that single object. Um, so if I can give you some examples, um, extrinsic skills are used when you're, ability, when you're sort of navigating through a town. So it's a relationship between yourself, other objects, and the, the relationships between the different objects, so the different landmarks along the route, etc. Mm-hmm. Whereas an extrinsic skill, um, just looking in front of me, um, if I've got a coffee cup, then I need to be able to visualize how to get that coffee cup in the right position so I can pick it up um, by the handle. So I need to know mm-hmm. where I want the handle to be. So it's like the properties of that specific object. Um, and in terms of dynamic and, and um, static skills, so dynamic skills, as the name suggests, um, refer to movement, um, whereas static skills don't. Um, so um, one example, it's my daughter's birthday next week, so I've got birthdays on the mind, but um, thinking about dynamic skills, if you want to present someone's birthday cake to them so that they can read the writing, then you need to mm-hmm. think ahead as to which perspective you need the cake to be um, presented mm-hmm. to them in. So you're sort of visualizing how you might rotate that birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas maps present very static information, so you'd understand the relationship between things, and that's not going to change mm-hmm. um, on a map. So they're, they're the four sort of um, parts of spatial ability that have been put forward by that theory. Um, there hasn't been a huge amount of testing of the theory, um, mm-hmm. so it does need to be sort of empirically tested. Um, there was data just this year from Kelly Mix's group from children, um, mm-hmm. and data from our lab seemed to be sort of in support of Kelly Mix's data. That there seems to be quite a lot of support for this extrinsic and intrinsic dimension, but not so much between the static and dynamic um, dimension. But obviously, there's, there's more research needed in this area because it's not even been tested on adults yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we will see um, sort of how the sort of mature structure of spatial thinking is, is mapped out mm. um, from data that comes out in the future. Yeah, sure. I mean, it sounds like um, uh, it's a really broad set of skills. It's a really, it covers mm-hmm. a, a lot of ground. Um, 
why are um, why is spatial thinking so Im- important? I mean, is is it just because it it, it sort of um, feeds into all different aspects of life? You're mentioning kind of things like just birthday cakes and map reading and uh, mm-hmm. and that. I mean, you know, why why is it important to us? Well, there's two ways that I think about it. So, I mean, it, it's very core to everything we do. Um, we live in a very spatial world. So, you know, if you're packing a suitcase, you need to make sure that all the different sizes of things kind of tessellate well together. The same when you're stacking a dishwasher. Um, children, when they're getting dressed, a lot of the issues that they might have um, in the early years are, are sort of spatial issues, making sure things are the right way round or they put things on the right feet. Mm. Um, and then, as I've already talked about, we need to negotiate our way around objects without bumping into them. So we need to understand the spatial sort of relationship between us and other things. Mm. Um, and, and in what we call large-scale space, we need, you know, we need to learn to be able to get ourselves from A to B. And that, you know, navigation um, is a very classic sort of um, aspect of large-scale space. Um, mm. And so there, the, there's lots of these everyday. Um, sort of spatial skills that we just sort of automatically go through. Um, The area of spatial ability that I've become particularly interested in is um, how it relates to to STEM subjects, so the kind of academic aspect of spatial ability. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's been sort of quite an explosion of interest in this over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So STEM subjects are science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Mm and there's, there's really now quite a lot of associational evidence between um, spatial ability and STEM subjects. So saying that, you know, somebody's spatial abilities is pretty important for their success on, on science, technology, engineering and, and maths. Um, and this area sort of, I think there's two key papers that, that got the area um, going. Um, one, um, so Jonathan Y in 2009, him, 2009, um, he and his colleagues demonstrated um, that spatial ability in childhood in a longitudinal study predicted their adult expertise in in STEM subjects. So Mm -hmm. basically those children who had higher spatial abilities were more likely as adults to enter STEM professions. Mm -hmm. So that was quite a large um, study um, which had a big impact um, on the field. And then in 2013, um, David Utel and Nora Newcomb and their colleagues who I mentioned earlier Um, They published a meta-analysis. So a meta-analysis is when you sort of get together all the studies on a similar similar topic and you use their kind of combined data to determine what the sort of statistical effects are. So they did a meta-analysis to look at the relationship between spatial abilities and um, STEM, but mainly maths, to be honest, maths and science and a a little bit of engineering. Um, what they concluded in their paper was that spatial ability is very important for STEM subjects, um, that spatial ability is malleable, so it, it's sort of very uh, – training in spatial ability is pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Um, they've shown that any training does actually last, um, and also, importantly, that, it, that if you train spatial ability, it does transfer to other domains, so it transfers to, to maths and science, etc. Um, so that that meta analysis um, has has now been cited many many times, um, mm-hmm. and data from our own lab sort of supports this idea. So um, Alex Hodgkiss and Katie Gilligan in my lab um, have shown that there's strong associations between spatial ability and maths and spatial ability and, and science in the primary school years, um, and so so. You know, this is strong. um, It's of strong importance given the sort of government directives about about STEM at the moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned um, 
there that um, you know these skills are very sort of malleable and we we can um, you know do things to encourage them. I mean. How do young children develop these skills? Spatial skills, like with other skills, they um, they develop developmentally. You know, you you have a predisposition to develop these skills. But mm-hmm. there's certainly things that that people can do. Um, so, um, and some children they maybe just aren't very enlightened to the spatial aspects of the world, and world, and they they might just need someone to kind of enhance that ability, um, or or at least sort of demonstrate that ability for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the, the, I mean, spatial ability doesn't feature in the national curriculum, um, but given that it's important in lots of um, areas of the curriculum, particularly mm-hmm. science and maths, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of ways that parents and teachers can help to improve or to make children aware of spatial abilities. Um, so I can talk you through some of those things if you w- want me to. Yeah, that would be useful. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess... If you think about teachers, then I, I think if teachers sort of understand where spatial ability is important, then um, that's a good starting point. So, mm-hmm. so for example, um, spatial ability is needed to understand uh, models, to read diagrams, if people need to rearrange formulae in maths or in science, um, and to interpret things that are given at different scales. So, for example, cells are usually scaled up and the solar mm-hmm. system is usually scaled down. Um, these are all sort of spatial aspects of their um, teaching. And then in maths, um, obviously there's a lot of shape and symmetry um, in maths, which is all spatial. Numerical relationships all require spatial skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for both of these, this sort of core ability of being able to visualize, so being able to imagine something in your in your head is a really key spatial skill. Um, so I think if, if teachers and parents are aware of that, um, then I think it's it's sort of part of the step. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I guess for teachers to be aware of is that they can integrate sort of spatial thinking into their teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and this because we know that spatial thinking is malleable, then this integration of spatial thinking into the teaching, you know, should really help to improve children's spatial abilities. Um, so, you know, if you can give them the skills to interpret a diagram or enable them to try and understand different scales of visual representations, then it can have really sort of long-term positive effects on their skills. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm quite interested in, although there's not a huge amount of research into it, is spatial language. So um, people talk about um, sort of tools, by t- and by tools we don't necessarily mean physical tools. So a map is a physical tool, but equally things like spatial language are a sort of tool that you can use to, to help people in their, in their spatial ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and spatial language, it's been shown that um, children who hear more spatial language when, language when they're toddlers have stronger spatial skills when they start school. Mm-hmm. Um, children who's Children whose parents use more spatial language um, when they're reading books to them have stronger spatial skills. Mm -hmm. And we know that spatial language associates with um, mathematics performance. Mm -hmm. And we've replicated that in in my lab with Katie Gilligan um, as well. and I've shown in my research that if you use spatial language to sort of highlight things to children, then they perform better on a spatial task. Mm-hmm. Um, so spatial language, it, it's, it's a kind of tool that teachers can use. So they could just integrate it into the school day. So, you know, deliberately using opposite terms like left and right, which obviously are, are very often confused even in adults. Um, and yeah. some words that, you know, might be simple to an adult, words like between, that's quite mm-hmm. a difficult concept for a primary school child to even mm-hmm. understand. 
Um, and then getting into sort of older children, um, words like slope and words like parallel, they're, they're words that really kind of enable you to harness a spatial concept very succinctly, which you can't really do in any other way. Um, and you can also kind of help children to understand these terms using gestures. So, you know, if you can visualize that a teacher can maybe put their arms in a parallel position when they're sort of talking about the term parallel, then the child has got a number of different um, sort of experiences in terms of the gesture and the spatial language um, that they can use to start to understand the sort of spatial world around them. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers, again, they can use um, books, they can sort of, it sort of integrate a lot more spatial language into the children's day um, mm -hmm. by choosing books that have got a lot of spatial language in them or, or spatial features to the books. Yeah. Um, the other thing which I think there's a lot of evidence for now is visualisation. So a lot of the studies that have shown associations between spatial ability and maths um, can be explained by a child's ability to use visualization. So mm -hmm. that's kind of just being able to understand something in your head and being able to manipulate it spatially in your head. Mental rotation is one way that um, people measure visualization. So mental rotation is um, a sort of scientific task that people use, um, mm -hmm. but it it is where you're shown um, an upright figure and then you're shown two um, rotated figures and you're asked to um, tell the experimenter which of the rotated figure um, maps or matches the upright figure. Mm -hmm. And that ability is um, sort of taps, that task taps into the ability to sort of imagine things into your, in your head and manipulate objects in your head. Yeah. Um, and in my lab, both Alex Hodgkiss and Katie Gilligan have looked at associations of, of um, lots of spatial skills, but the one that's come out as really strongly um, is mental rotation being associated with science and maths. And this is, mm. is found um, throughout this literature, really. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the teachers, even just pointing out to children um, that they can maybe try and imagine something in their head, so just encouraging them when they're teaching them a maths or a science process to imagine it in their head, um, then it might let the child sort of understand the concept um, a bit more strongly. So the examples are, so in physics, um, imagine the trajectory of a ball as it's thrown. Um, in biology, imagining blood flowing through the heart. Um, so, and and visualisation can also be aided by diagrams. So um, diagrams and graphs, they, they sort of use the space in front of you um, in a way that words just can't. So in a written text, everything's very sequential in nature, um, mm -hmm. whereas diagrams, maps, graphs, it's all, all presented simultaneously in a nice sort of two-dimensional space space in front of the child. And having those diagrams and graphs, um, children are, pro are often better able to visualise the concepts um, that are being presented to them. Some of the, um, or I suppose most of the things that you've been describing there that teachers can do um, are probably um, things that a lot of teachers would be doing automatically. Uh, mm -hmm. in their teaching so um, you know probably they'll be using um, spatial language without even being aware of it a lot of the time mm -hmm. um, and you know I think um, things like the, the rotation problems that you see in, in maths lessons mm -hmm. um, they, mm -hmm. they would come up quite regularly I mean do you think that this is something that um, teachers need to be doing sort of more consciously do you think at the moment um, in general in classrooms we're doing enough uh, sort of explicitly to nurture um, these skills or or do you think it's something that um, you know we need to be doing more of 
I guess it's difficult for me to answer because all teachers are different um, and, and I'm not that often in a, in a classroom itself. Mm-hmm. But having spoken to teachers, I think unless they have an awareness of the importance of spatial thinking, mm-hmm. I think obviously teachers are doing this kind of thing. I spoke to a teacher the other day and she said she cuts up magazines and gets children to put the bits back together and to count the number of bits and to rotate them and things. So, so obviously, you know, teachers understand that this is good practice, but I think the sort of explicit awareness that, that spatial thinking is something that they, they really need to try and bolster in the children um, mm-hmm. maybe isn't quite there um, mm-hmm. as, as a kind of topic in itself. I think they, they maybe see it as part of maths or part of science, but mm-hmm. um, this sort of explicit awareness isn't there. And also I think sometimes, um, you know, for example, you can give a child a diagram, but you might not have taught a child how to use that diagram mm-hmm. in a spatial way. Um, so, you know, even just helping the child to understand parts and whole within the context of a pie chart or or the fact that in a kind of life cycle diagram things are at different scales sometimes just pointing out what might seem the obvious in terms of the spatial dimensions um can can just help that child to understand that that concept a little bit better And I suppose this is um, this is something that um, some children are likely to be sort of naturally um, better at than than others, just in the same way that uh, a child might be sort of nat- naturally, um, you know, gifted in sports or or in or talented mm-hmm. in music, for example. Um, do you think that there's there's work to do in schools in um, terms of pinpointing children who might need a bit of extra support with this, um, or is it something that should just be uh, delivered uh, to an entire class um, as standard? Uh, this is always a tricky one because mm. spatial ability isn't the be all and end all for mm. maths and science. It's one mm. contributing factor, and and there are always going to be individual differences. And there are always going to be some children where visualization is a very natural thing for them to do and other children where thinking about things a bit more verbally is a very natural thing for them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I guess all children should be given the opportunity to understand how to use their spatial skills. Um, and, And I think all children can benefit. I mean, even a child who's very strong in spatial abilities, they, they still can benefit from having the sort of spatial aspects of the world pointed out to them um but it, but equally I, I do think the children where spatial ability is is weaker um provided it's within their capacity to to get stronger spatial skills through being trained then i think then it, it probably would benefit those children more mm-hmm. and uh, what about um those uh children who, who do struggle with it if they're not supported to to develop um uh, sort of better, better spatial awareness and better spatial thinking. Um, mm-hmm. What what are going to be the repercussions for those students? I mean, okay, they, they might not go into a STEM uh, career, but are mm-hmm. there sort of more wide-reaching repercussions for them? I think one thing that spatial thinking allows you to do is problem solve. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's quite a, a general skill. So, I, I do think you know the, the repercussions will be in terms of. Um, their science and math skills won't be as well developed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so having sort of poor spatial skills could be a kind of limiting factor for them to be able to develop, to develop their maths and um, science skills and, and obviously engineering and technology as well. But I guess I'm talking more about sort of primary curriculum here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it, but equally, I do think this kind of idea, to, the ability to visualise things, this kind of problem-solving ability, um, that's a kind of, it's like, they talk about them as work-ready skills. That's a kind of work-ready skill that I think employers are looking for across the board. Mm-hmm. Across mm-hmm. the board, sorry. Um, so, I, so I do think children with poorer spatial abilities are going to be limited in in that in that um, sort of domain, which is more of a general um, domain of problem solving. Mm-hmm. And if we were to um, develop uh, doing more work in schools around this um what what do you think would be the way forward with it would it you mentioned you know it's that it's not um sort of on the curriculum at the moment is it should it be on the curriculum or is it more a matter of just um training teachers or raising awareness yeah i i don't think there's room in the curriculum and Mm. i don't think it necessarily needs to be a specific topic of its own but i do think um the term that keeps coming out in the literature is children need to be able to spatialize their thinking and teachers need to be able to spatialize their teaching Mm -hmm. so i guess it's this understanding of teachers to kind of integrate it into the curriculum that's already existing Mm -hmm. um but again as i said before that involves an awareness of the importance of spatial ability Mm -hmm. um and also, I mean, we're starting to have studies where we've explicitly trained children in their spatial abilities. Um, and this does have very positive impact on their maths and science abilities. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's early days, um, but the, there's been a, no, a handful of studies that have looked at training children's spatial ability, um, and it's shown that their maths ability improves. And then we've done the first study in our lab, Alex Hodgkiss led it, um, where he yeah, uh, sorry, this wasn't a training study. His was an association study, but he looked at the association between um, spatial ability and science. Um, so that kind of gives us the sort of the confidence that we're, if we were to train spatial ability, then it ought to have an impact on science. So mm-hmm. th- there is an argument that if you can train spatial ability, then it will have a positive impact on their sci- on children's science and maths abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think within the school classroom, then that that could 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 be integrated into the existing curriculum. So it sounds like um, something that uh, teachers should be uh, perhaps interested to learn a bit more about then um do you have any other uh, tips for teachers um in terms of the things that they can do in their own classrooms to support this uh, this learning yes i mean i guess one thing is to not assume too much of children when you do give them spatial um tools so for example if you give them um diagrams that you want them to compare for similarities and differences make sure that you make them spatially aligned with one another so if they're comparing um, two diagrams of a cell so an animal and a plant cell that they're spatially aligned with one another or if they're comparing two types of atoms for example so so just being aware of the spatial aspects of the tasks that you're giving the child and how to make it as sort of easy as possible for them to use, possible for them to use their spatial abilities That's great. Thanks very much, Emily. Um, There's uh, plenty of of food for thought there. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Seb.